This conference will now be recorded. Good morning, everyone. Morning. How are you? Good morning. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good, good evening. Morning. Good morning. I will be right back, guys. Yeah. Welcome, everyone that's joining. Morning, Bill. Morning, Chava. Chava looks more awake than the rest of us. We're on the uh, <laughs> first first shift of SCO over here, Chava, from our hotel rooms. We're, we're the early shift for, for session number one. <laughs> I do have a five-hour advantage for most of you. so You do. You do. Yes. Your five-hour advantage looks good on you. <laughs> yes. Yes. It probably feels good, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I did arrive to Dublin at 1 a.m. today, so I, did, okay, I, I also all right. had my back asleep. Fair. So fair, fair. We don't. Thank you for not letting us feel super left out. We appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I turned cameras Morning, on. Morning, everybody. Morning, Emily. Morning. I turned cameras on after 6 a.m. That's my rule. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, how's your audio? Are you good? Uh, I don't think so. Can you hear me? I can hear you. A little low. You sound a little, like a low, little Bill. low. Let's try to turn it up. I, uh... Is that uh, is, it, is that any better? It sounds like uh, the microphone's like away from like. It sounds like you're almost like away from your microphone, but we can, we can hear you. But it sounds very low, like your audio, your voice. Is that any better? A little low still. Let me try one thing. Give me one second. So, Chris, we have people calling in this morning from where? We've got uh, a large group probably coming from Dublin. Uh, ah, and our story. Ireland office. Yeah, exactly. We have people uh, from uh, Germany as well. So we'll have people from, and uh, UK, we'll have people from all over, so. Okay, so I can only really practice my German this morning, huh? <laughs> Let her rip, Keith. Let her rip. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that was the language I took in high school. My parents met in Germany, and so they would always speak German in front of us when we were kids so we couldn't understand what they were saying. And uh, I vowed that I would learn German in high school, and I really only learned how to say, I'm having a party, can you come? So that's what I learned in German, so. That and where's the bathroom, probably two of the most important yeah. things that, you know. Exactly. I, I, was, I was fluent at that point. 
The Germans are very, yeah, I love language. It's a passion of mine. I travel. Uh, German is, my buddy's learning it. And it's such a precise language. You know, it's such a precise language. So. Yeah, very much so. Is my audio still, uh, is it working at all? Sounds a little better. Yeah, we can hear you. We'll try to it's a little low, it. but we can hear you. Yeah. Yep. Sorry about that. I uh, sometimes the headset is finicky and it was it's not syncing on Bluetooth this morning. So awesome. Are we ready to kick it off, uh, Chris? Yep. Let's go ahead and get started. And Daryl, super. So uh, welcome to SKO 2023. It's a um, very dark early morning here in Boston at uh, 6:03 as we speak. But hey. Super excited. This is the very beginning of uh, SKO 2023. So hopefully everyone uh, pays attention. Keep your cameras on, be interactive, all that stuff. You're going to hear more of uh, uh, the fun here in uh, a couple of hours. But I am super excited to welcome Kevin Rosen with Profit Builders. Uh, spent a little bit of time with Kevin here a couple of weeks ago, kind of going through his uh, his messaging and, and talk track. And we are, uh, Kevin's a best-selling author. Uh, of own your day and sales leadership so super excited to have him uh and uh with that not much else to say but uh kevin welcome thank you and you can go you can call me you can call me keith i go by keith or kevin keith is better off so <laughs> okay uh, thank you so much thanks for having me everyone uh great opportunity hopefully we'll spend this hour uh making an impact in your lives today so we can contribute to your success awesome Awesome. We're really looking forward to it as well. Thanks, Bill, for the intro. Uh, Keith, looking forward to spending some time with you. Uh, just a couple of highlights, as Bill mentioned. Um, and one of the reasons why we're really excited as well for Keith to join is um, when you look at uh, leveling up the organization, as Bill will talk about, and Bill talks a lot about, one of the best investments we can always make is in our people. And uh, as a leadership team across GoTo, we have such an awesome opportunity to help um, our coworkers to be mentors to really drive a lot of the greatness that happens here at GoTo, and, and that's one of the reasons why we're really excited about having Keith here. Is this uh, opportunity of all of the great things Keith does? One of the things, one of the great things he's really great is is, is coaching salespeople into into champions, which is obviously a from the from the third bullet here, uh, one of his best selling books, um, and it's been for over almost fifteen years now. Um, I, I hope everyone has had the opportunity and, and we're looking uh, really forward to having um, some good uh, back and forth today and some good dialogue. And at the end of the day, one of the things we hope everyone gets the opportunity to is take some of the, the, the Keith's expertise specifically around coaching and mentoring and some of the concepts that he's taught in his books to, and to organizations all across the globe to really begin the process of, of helping all of us become better mentor and coaches to our salespeople, because at the end of the day, that, that that's that's what we're here to do is is help them become better at what it is that they can do to help themselves. So, with that, um, I'm going to go and ahead and dive in. We're and not mispronounce names. That's the other thing that uh, we're hoping to get out of this. So, <laughs> yes. I sat here, here and had Keith written down. So, I I sincerely apologize, Kevin. I mean, you, Keith. You, you, <laughs> At this point, 32 years later, I've known to go by yeah, yeah, Kevin yeah. or Keith. Yeah, exactly. But I do it's apologize. Early. I had Keith written down, and I even had my old man glasses on, Keith. So still <laughs> screwed up. No worries. It's all, 
Super yeah, and welcome. It's early. It, it is early. early. It's, it is early. It is early. Yeah. yeah. And I just went to bed. But, I just went to bed a few minutes ago, so we're all good. Fair enough. <laughs> we're all <laughs> Awesome. Well, with that being said, um, I'm actually going to move away from slide mode, and Keith and I are really excited to just. Uh, Keith, if you're okay with it, would love to maybe uh, uh, get some thoughts, some wisdom from you. Um, we have a series of questions. Would love to to maybe have some back and forth with you, if that's okay. That'd be fantastic. Awesome. All right. Let me exit out of the uh, slide mode here and stop sharing. It's good to finally see everyone. All right. So uh, welcome, welcome, everyone. As mentioned, uh, for those of you that I, I think I've met everyone, uh, but uh, Chris Sargent here on our sales enablement team, I work with Tara and team to help to help uh, support our, our uh, internal sales enablement and training. But um, as mentioned, Keith, I think uh, if you're okay with it, uh, let's let's dive in and get started. We have lots to cover. I mean, after all, we have an hour to solve world peace and eradicate world hunger, so we might as well get started quickly, right, Chris? Exactly, exactly, and it's uh, it's down to 53 minutes, so uh, the time <laughs> the clock is ticking. So, with that being said, you know, Keith, I think uh, as we get started, a couple of things that really resonated with me um, reading your books in the past and things like that. I think a couple of things that you know, you've been able to support sales transformation, help a lot of organizations do that. And I think, you know, one of your courses, uh, you mentioned this ability to align your new selling approach with your prospects preferred buying process. You know, one of the things that's near and dear to our heart is we're actually this year getting ready to roll out a new sales process post sales kickoff. And as we begin to roll that out, you know, what are some of the things you found specifically sales leaders can do day in and day out to help reps, you know, better align with that concept of how, how your customers want to buy and how do you coach those customers? Awesome. So let's take a step back. First of all, what an amazing opportunity now, Chris, as you mentioned, redesigning your sales process. Uh, and I'm actually thrilled to hear that because you're one of the few organizations that are actually doing that today because I've been preaching to the choir over the last two years. If managers and salespeople are still selling and managing the way they were two years ago, today, you're already set up for failure. You're already set up for yeah. failure. Because it's not just that our business landscape has changed. It's not that uh, we are now living in, in a hybrid world, but the conversations that salespeople and leaders are having with their people have evolved. And if I was to put, a, put an umbrella over the predominant sales and leadership strategy today is one word, care. There's an 84% level of disengagement in the workforce today. And I think we can all see that looking at the numbers. Think about that, 84%? Why? Because A, most people were never, 40% of all organizations never even allowed remote work until after this, until during the pandemic. So now you have people that are not used to it. I mean, many companies, especially in ITR, but you have many companies where all these employees are now thrusted from the office and working out of their home. Okay. So they're, and I, and I ask Matt people, I say, you know, listen, are you working out of your home? You know, are you working from home, you know, or are you living at work? Wait for that. Okay. 
because either yeah. you're looking at work or you're working from home. And when I say the conversations need to change, managers need to learn how to coach time management. They need to learn how to coach life balance. They need to be able to ask questions like, so, you know, how are you, how are you distinguishing and setting that boundary when you're working at home to take care of yourself while honoring your business goals? You know, how are you making sure you turn off work at the end of the day so you could be present with those who you love and your family and your friends? You know, how do you make yeah. sure that you're honoring self-care and making it non-negotiable? You know, you know, everyone talks about when they go to college, you know, the freshman 15 or 20. I've been hearing about, you know, the COVID 20 to 30. You know, the first thing that I've heard people throw out the window is self-care, but self-care is non-negotiable because now this foundation that I just shared with you bleeds into what you're doing with your customers, your prospects, okay, your peers, your direct reports. If the predominant strategy of sales and leadership is care, the same conversations that managers now need to have with their people to help them um, holistically around their personal and professional life, because let's face it, there's no line between personal and professional anymore. You know, there's no work and life. There's just life. And when it, when it comes to managers and sellers, the conversation I just shared with you, think about that. We're struggling working and adopting. And it's not that you're the only one struggling because you can be fine. You can be like, Keith, I got this down. I got my life balance down. I, you know, I'm, I'm very disciplined. I know when to shut off work. I know when to turn my phone out off and my laptop. Here's the problem though. Do your prospects know how to do that? Do your coworkers, do your customers? I'm going to say no, you know why? Because they're human too. And they're struggling with the same things we are. So the biggest transformation that's going on today are the quality of conversations that are becoming much more personal than they ever were before. You know, we all talk about, oh, the best salespeople build the relationships, the best salespeople are challengers. Okay, best salespeople, up, best salespeople definitely challenge their customers, okay? But when it comes to relationships, we've never had this level of exposure in people's lives and in their homes than we do today. And after all, this is my studio, okay? This is my happy place, welcome. Uh, I know you won't, won't have time to talk about music. We'll have a, a separate session on music coaching, okay? My point yeah. is this, this is my home, okay? Um, we can have a conversation about what you see, just like I'm in your home or your office, and I can have a conversation about what I observe. So, um, this is an opportunity to really get a sense of, you know, how people are functioning every day. After all, you're going to tell me as a leader, you know, if, if we're having a, a call and, you know, I'm sitting here in my office and I'm still wearing the same dirty shirt for the week and it looks like I haven't showered for a week and cats and dogs and, and, and kids are running around and I don't have an office. So I'm working either in my, my, my basement or in my kitchen or in my bedroom. Uh, there's piles of paper everywhere chaos are you going to tell me as a leader you're going to look at this person one-on-one -on -one and say okay glad we finished our one-on-one -on -one. have a great day think about all the coaching opportunities you just missed okay you don't think what you've observed is going to impact that person personally and professionally in the quality of life and how they're performing at work the problem is this number one managers never even thought about having conversations like this not your fault
Never, we've never gone through this before. And number two, managers are reluctant to have the conversation because we've been so conditioned to be like, wait a second, is this an HR conversation? Am I allowed to you know, have this personal conversation? Yes, you are. The rules of engagement have changed. We get to recreate the rules of how we decide to drive our business forward. So, you know, just, just to wrap this part up here, uh, I'm also, and, and uh, Chris, if you could just jot down a, a note, I have a great resource of a template that every leader can use to have that personal conversation with people and really get to connect with them on a deeper level. Because again, if you look at the, st the statistic and what managers perceive engagement, there's a disconnect. Okay, the only way we can improve that engagement is by connecting with people on a deeper level. Absolutely, and you know what you touched on, I think, is so relevant. I think all of us, to your point, whether we wanted it or not, we're thrust into a new world that uh, things changed, and how we adapt. You know, we we can't control those circumstances, but we can control how we react to those. And I think what you brought up was is. Is, is extremely vital and it actually made me think of you know kind of a, a good follow-up because I, I i really appreciate what you said about helping the reps manage that life balance understanding that hey when you're working we work hard we do our we do a great job we do all of those things i think one of the things that hey, i think I'm about too chris i'm sorry you just said something i, I want to just um comment on before i forget and yeah in part of the initial question you shared about with with the way we're um, transforming our sales process, therefore that yep. needs to be that needs to be coached too. So you mentioned before about how we can accelerate the success of our people. One word, observation. You know, we just talked we just talked about it. I just didn't use that word. We actually have more opportunities to observe our people than we ever did before. Oh, Keith, how are you going to observe someone on a one-dimensional screen? Well, you have to learn how to build relationships on a one-dimensional screen. You're going to tell me you can't observe people right now in a meeting? You can't observe their engagement or disengagement? How about during a presentation or when they're having a call, a video call with one of their prospects and customers? You're going to tell me you can't observe them there? We have more opportunities to do proactive, intentional observation than we actually ever did before. Uh, and I know there's not one manager who would disagree with me when I say we can all be doing more intentional observation. So building off that first point, Chris, and bringing that home is that if we don't have the sales process, if we don't have the steps in the sales process, if we don't have the, the meat in the sales process, i.e. step one, qualification, or well, one of those questions that we sound like that, that's, that we need to ask. If we don't have that, then what are we looking to observe? You know, we, we need those milestones. We need those characteristics and core competencies to be able to look at their dashboard and be able to coach to what we see. Very difficult to coach if you don't have the core competencies and the practice to coach to. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it, it, it's, it becomes almost blind coaching or, or coaching for the sake of coaching versus coaching with intent. Absolutely. And I think that's, I think that's important. And it actually, you know, what, following up on that, because you, you brought up a point that made me think specifically around, you know, we talk a lot about helping our reps find the time, helping our reps, you know, 
when I was a sales leader, I think one of the things that even I struggled with was how do I, as a leader, prioritize the time to coach? You know, you're managing deals, you're managing your people, you're managing all of these things. And sometimes there's a fine line between what I call, you know, trying to do the job for your rep and mentoring and coaching someone so that they get, you know, teach a man to fish or, you know, the whole, the old saying, right? So I, I, in your experience, um, what are some of the things managers can do intentionally to dedicate that time to coaching? Maybe in the, and to your point, I, I think it changed a lot over the last few years where I don't have the ability to, you know, roll my chair down the aisle anymore and go to a cubicle or a desk and say, hey, you got 15 minutes or hey, heard you on that call. Um, what are some of the things that, that you're seeing some of the high performing leaders or you would recommend doing in the kind of new world that we're in that they can be intentional in dedicating time to that coaching? Yeah, great. Uh I'll share with you a quick story, um, and it really reinforces, and I'm not referring to anyone here, it reinforces how with all the organizations globally throwing out the word coaching, 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 most companies have no clue what coaching is. And when I speak to leaders, um, whether it's, you know, VPs of sales or, you know, sales ops or, or you know, in, uh, enablement, uh, many times senior leaders would say, Keith, listen, if we're going to work with you, one of the things that I want my managers to be doing, I want them to be coaching 70% of their time. And managers are like, 70% of my time? What a world. 70, what do you mean? How am I going to coach 70% of my time? I have all these other responsibilities. Once I hear someone say they want managers to coach for a, for a certain duration of time or a percentage of time during their week, I know they have no clue what coaching is because coaching is not something you do to someone. Coaching is simply a language you leverage in every conversation. For, for a manager to tell me, Keith, I want my managers to coach 70% of the time is like saying I want them to breathe 70% of the time. <laughs> no, no. Just like, you know, and I, I practice my German now, but I don't want to embarrass myself. Just like learning German or Italian or, or Spanish or Urdu or Mandarin or any language. The language of leadership is coaching. Here's something else if you will talk about. The language of selling is coaching. The evolution of sales is not more sales training. It's getting your salespeople to coach your customers to succeed as well. And I know Chris is going to tie that back later on. But when we're when we're looking at at, at what coaching is. It's just how we communicate. It's how we show up. It's who we are, and it's the language we choose to have when we're engaging with people. After all, when you change the conversation, you change the outcome. So it's not like managers have to say, where am I looking for this time to coach? You're doing it in every conversation. Now, that's situational coaching. 
Granted, there are one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions that I would implore every manager to schedule um, at least on a bi-weekly basis, depending on how many direct reports you have. Uh, and of course, that number can shift to every week to maybe every other week, uh, depending on the needs of each person in your organization. So it's important that managers kind of flip that switch and realize, oh, I have to go do this coaching. No, it's just how you show up and learn that language. You know, your job is challenging enough. My job is to make your job easy. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, I like the idea that it's, it's not something you do to someone, but it's a language you engage them with. And, you know, one of the things also, as you mentioned that it was making me think of, uh, you know, in some of your in some of your content, some of your books, um, and even in some of your your blog posts that I've read um, over the years, one of the things you specifically talk about is the idea of enrollment in relation to sales mm -hmm. leaders and their interactions with their sales teams, which I've always found really fascinating. And as I engaged, you know, leaders of my own and thought about it from the reverse angle coming in as the 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 the, the one needing the coaching or having that language of coaching done with me. I, I think one of the things is that I really always enjoyed about it was using the tenets of enrollment for trust and buy-in and alignment with their teams. Do you, do you, any specific insights that you have about practical things sales leaders can do today to start utilizing some of those tenets to get that trust, buy-in and alignment with their teams when they're having those coaching language conversations? Absolutely. And of course, there are so many, Chris, as you know, conversations we can have around enrollment. How do you enroll people yeah. in coaching? How do you set expectations around coaching? How do you enroll an underperformer in, um, you know, uh, transforming their performance in 30 days or less? Uh, how do you how do you deal with a relationship issue? Uh, how do you deal with a top performer? How do you deal with a toxic conversation? Uh Yep. I'm going to share with everyone right now and don't don't disconnect after I say this and think I'm crazy. OK, there is no such thing as a difficult conversation. Huh, Keith, you're crazy. I, I, <laughs> I literally have to go speak to someone about performance and their attitude. And that I know is going to be a difficult conversation. Well, no. It's not. And that's why Chris brought up enrollment. See, think about what makes a conversation difficult, everyone. It's the assumptions we're going into the conversation with, which then unfortunately drive our behavior. So if Chris and I had a conversation last week and it totally blew up and we just did not see eye to eye. And by the way, this never happened. OK. And now Chris and I have to have another conversation next week. Well, what do you think my internal narrative is? Oh, geez, the last conversation I had with Chris was just a waste of time and he didn't listen to me. So I'm sure the same thing, past experience, right? Projected future negative expectation. I guess the same thing will happen again. And that's the definition of an assumption. A past experience or a belief we perceive we hold without the facts to back it up. So what makes a conversation difficult are the prior experiences we're looking at. So here's a, here's a different way. What if you approach every conversation newly 
You know, the reason why people have disagreement and shy away from conflict and confrontation is because they think it's going to blow up in this friction, okay, or it's going to sabotage a relationship. But here's the root cause. So everyone, hear me when I say this. When intentions aren't clear, people default to fear. If I am a man, let's say I'm your manager, right? I send you an email in the subject uh, in the subject body. It says, "Call me ASAP." All caps. What's your first reaction? Oh shit! Uh oh! Uh oh! What do I do? Am I getting fired? Am I being put on a pip? Did one of my people quit? Is there an issue with the customer? What did I do wrong? Why is it that we never go to my boss? Wants to tell me how awesome I am. We never go there, do we? Because when intentions aren't clear, people default to fear. It's the default file. And then finally, you muster up the courage to call your manager, and your manager says to you, hey, Tori, listen, I just want to tell you, I know you, you were struggling in the beginning of last quarter, but you turned it around and you crushed it. And I just want to acknowledge you for a job well done. Uh, thank you. Didn't see that coming. Why? Because when intentions aren't clear, people default to fear. I'm sharing this with you to pour a foundation of what the solution is. The solution is enrollment, as Chris was saying. Enrollment is about setting positive intent in every conversation. So managers are really good at the what. Hey, you know what, Emily, here's what we're doing. Well, boss, why are we doing it? Well, because I was told we have to do it, so you have to do it too. Well, if we want to keep our job, I guess we'll do it. But how engaged am I really going to be when I was just told I have to work and fill in my CRM when I have no idea what the benefit is for me? And then we wonder why people are reluctant to do things. It's because they don't see the whiff them, just like your customers. What's in it for me? Every time you approach someone, you have an agenda, but so does everyone else. And it's essential that when you share your agenda, it's not just like, hey, here's what we need to do, but you need to share the two missing components that's going to create buy-in and alignment, which is here's why we're doing it and here's what's in it for you. It's the most simplistic model of enrollment I can give you. Here's what we're doing, here's why we're doing it, and here's what's in it for you. When you can now take everyone's business objectives, right? And align them with their personal goals, you now have a shared goal, a shared vision, so that people are now thinking you've connected the dots here. Oh, so if I achieve my business objectives, I achieve my personal goals. Now imagine the exponential output you're going to get from your people because they see what's in it for them. And enrollment is something that happens from manager to direct. It could happen peer to peer. It could certainly work exceptionally well when you're working with your customers. And guess what? You can coach up too, okay? Manager, I've heard recently, um, and again, you know, it can't always blame the manager, right? Because if the manager isn't getting good coaching, it's often difficult for them to recognize what other people's needs are. So 
you know, if you're sitting there saying, Keith, you know, I, I am, I want to be coached. I want to improve just like I know everyone here does. But my manager hasn't come to me and started coaching me and I can really, really use some great coaching and I really, really trust and like my manager. You could be waiting your entire career for that person to come to you and it's not because they don't care. It's because they're not recognizing what your needs are. So if that's the case, it's time for you to take the initiative to go to your manager and coach up. And what does that sound like? Hey, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Manager, you know, I want to make sure what I achieve the goals that I need to do for the organization. And what I want for you and for the organization is to make sure we have another successful year. And I'd love to sit down and chat with you about how I know I love to be managed and motivated and held accountable so that we can create that that relationship where you know exactly how to push and motivate me so I could achieve the goals for the company, for the team and for myself. Are you open to talk about what those parameters would be? I'm seeing a lot of this. That's not going to hurt. It's not like you're going to the right. dentist. Okay. That's why I'm saying, guys, there's no such thing as a difficult conversation. It's all how you position it. Good stuff. Thanks yeah, I think that. No, absolutely. I think, and, and that, you know, you, you said a lot of things that I, hopefully resonated with everyone um, when intentions aren't clear um it usually results in fear and that that is absolutely something you know one of the things i think about i talk a lot when we talk about sales processes that i think sometimes we try to forget i don't think we try but unintentionally forget that we're all human beings on the other end of a, a virtual meeting here and I, you know one of the things i i see sales people do a lot in this in sales process and sales stages is they become really subservient or they allow a very negative relationship to happen with a buyer because oh, I don't want to offend the buyer if I if I push back on something and I tell everyone you know take it in your personal life would you ever want to engage with someone a family member a friend who can ask anything of you and you have to jump to it but if you 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 can't ask anything of them out of fear and that actually made me think of the concept the same thing which is I've received plenty of text messages from uh, family members that have sounded like call me ASAP. And my first instant thought is someone's had a heart attack, something terrible has happened and I'll call. And my wife says, I need you to pick up milk on the way home. And it's like, what? You can't lead with that. You got to let me know, like, give me, give me, give me some insight here. So I'm okay here. So I'm not panicking, thinking about what's going on. And I, that really resonated with me as you said that. I think one thing that I started to think of as you talked about that, right, is, you know, you even brought up the idea of an individual contributor level, even up to a manager level, going to senior leadership, taking kind of turning enrollment back and saying, hey, this is what I need from you from a coaching perspective. You know, what are some of the, what are some of the ways, and I'm going to kind of flip it back around that you can see maybe someone who's resistant to that enrollment or having a coaching conversation. What are some of the things you found to maybe help someone feel a little bit more confident or open when you're engaging in someone that's on your team, someone that you work with who is a resistant to that enrollment is, you know, needs the help, but is really shying away from it. Okay, so I'm hearing two opportunities in here. I'm hearing one opportunity from more of a broader perspective of how do we improve our relationships through enrollment. And if you could just make a dot there so I don't have a senior moment and forget about that, Chris. And number yep. two, um, 
how do you, and I want to make sure I heard this right, how do you enroll people on your team around coaching who may, the who may be resistant to it, right? Like, I think we've all, we've all been in a world where there's people that are like ready and almost over, over, over ready and over willing to talk about all of the problems that they have, if that's even a thing. But we also all have had people on our team that we know need to have those coaching conversations, but are also somewhat resistant to it. How do we help people overcome that as leaders? Perfect. And, and uh, I hope everyone's noticing that, you know, when it comes to, I don't use the word training. I, I like to use the word transformation because training is just like, kind of like, this is what you need to change. But if you think about what we're talking about, we're also thinking about what you need to change and how you think in your attitude, in your mindset. Uh, so you're developing a, as a holistic leader, changing what you do and how you think. That's transformation. So, uh, you know, getting back to your point, Chris, about people that are uh, reluctant to coaching, uh, that is a, another great opportunity to use enrollment. Now, what would that sound like? It could sound like this. If you were that person who's reluctant, I could take two different approaches here. Now, here's the tactical part of what you guys can use, language of coaching. Hey, Chris, listen, what I want for you is to be able to achieve the goals you want here in your career and personally. And uh, I've been working really, really hard uh, to become a better coach uh, for you and for the team. And uh, I'll be the first to say I probably messed up coaching so many times before. I, I really didn't think, I really thought I knew what it was, but it wasn't. And it's not about telling you what to do. So I've been really focusing on what I can do to change the conversation to really tap into what you know, your wisdom and your skills. And I was hoping we can chat for a few minutes and talk about uh, and develop a mutual understanding and definition of what great coaching looks and feels like for you. Set some measurable parameters around the coaching uh, and then start uh, identifying some of the goals and challenges that you'd like to work on together. Knowing that everything we discuss is always held in the strictest of confidence. Key point. Are you open to having this conversation? Yeah. Who's going to say yeah. no to that? Here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. Here's what's in it for you. And notice I didn't push it. Permission. Are you open to having the conversation? You want to hear an affirmation. You want to hear a yes. Now, let's take a different approach. And I want to share this with you guys because this is a great tool to also share with your salespeople to get more truth out of your customers and prospects. As a matter of fact, it's a very powerful way to pull out objections. So here's a great example of coaching language that your salespeople can use, and you as well. Let's say you're noticing someone, um, their actions are not aligned with what they're sharing. You know, what they say is not what they're doing. And um, maybe they're saying to you, and you know, you know, guys, what I'm talking about, you know, Keith, you ever, you ever speak to someone and, 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 and feel like they're just telling you what, what, what they think you want to hear? I think we've been in that situation. Why? Because it's a trust issue. And it may not be your fault. It could have been their, pri their prior manager's fault. Maybe they were toxic. But here's the problem, everyone. If we don't re-enroll and reset expectations with people, they're taking their old manager's face and they're putting it right on you. 
okay? And they're like, well, that's how my last manager was, so that's how you're going to be. Assumptions. The only way to shatter that is by setting new and positive intent. So now pulling that back, uh, you know, to 360 is now you're having a conversation with someone who said they're open to coaching, but you're noticing they're reluctant. You're noticing, you know, there's they're, they're just not opening up as much. Well, you have two choices. You can say, listen, you know, um, Paul, listen, man, you, you know, we're having these coaching sessions, but, uh, you know, everyone else is opening up and, and being really you know, transparent, but you know, you're not, man. What's going on? Okay, right away, I would run because you just put me on the defensive, okay? Not the way to go. Here's how you do it. Hey, Paul, listen, um, I know when we first started uh, uh, setting the expectations of coaching, it sounded like you were pretty aligned with, um, with what the coaching is, uh, a definition that is valuable for you and how the experience could be valuable for you. Uh, however, I've noticed over the last uh, three sessions that there's been a different level of engagement and I'm sensing that something may have changed that's causing some reluctance in wanting to open up during our coaching. Is there any truth to that? Now, that's a billion dollar strategy, guys. Think about if you're salespeople do that. Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Customer, you know, I know we've spoken about our value offering and how you already told me this, this is the platform that's going to work for you and your organization. However, I'm sensing that there's something else that's getting in the way to move forward. Is there any truth to that? And think about how powerful that can be when your salespeople use that language because they're reluctant to have that conversation. Why? Because they don't have the language. There's the language of sales and leadership. It's called the, I am sensing that statement. I'm sensing that there's some reluctance on your end for coaching. I'm sensing that um, there might be some pushback on your end to start prospecting more. You know, I'm sensing that, um, you know, maybe there's something else going on that's throwing you off, possibly, you know, hurting your time management or your life balance. Now notice here, because I'm saying I'm sensing, I'm making it about me, not about the other person. I'm sensing my spider senses are tingling. This is about me. Just, just please acknowledge whether I'm right or wrong. So now you're putting it on you, not on them. Yeah, I, I, I think that is ex spot on. Um, and I, I think that type of language create it's building language versus fear inducing. And I, and I really like that. And I, you know, it actually made me think uh, as you were saying that as well in your book um sales leadership um it, it, the kind of flip side of that which was the positive side of it you outline in your book uh, sales leadership the 15 kind of toxic tactics that can make coaching be very unnatural or ineffective um from some of the things that inherently you, you kind of touched on a little bit and it made me think of this but so i guess let me ask you you know what are what are some of the most common mistake or mistakes you're seeing managers make, but more importantly, how can they avoid them? Because I think that you can have well-intentioned interactions that doesn't mean that they're necessarily the right interactions, as you mentioned, or the right kind of language to be using. So what maybe what are some of those toxic um, engagements you're seeing? And you know, what are some of the ways we can avoid those uh, as leadership? Sure. Uh, yeah, and, and I think that 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 is a 
that's a question that that most managers do struggle with. Um, uh, I, to your point, Chris, I, I uh, it's very very rare. I mean, I could probably count on one hand over thirty years traveling the world. That, you know, a manager that didn't have good intention. Most managers have good intention. You know, they want to help. They like seeing other people succeed. Except there's a trap. And, the, and the, to, to your question, if I could be as succinct as possible, haha, is uh, the biggest trap that leaders fall into and salespeople when it comes to coaching is coaching in your own image. Okay, so let's break this down. Um, I'm a salesperson. Okay, and I'm sure this has never happened in your organization before. Hope my sarcasm is translating. You had a great salesperson. So your, your manager walks up to the salesperson and says, hey, got a great opportunity for you to be a manager. Salesperson looks around and says, sounds great. Okay, I'll be a manager. Next day, the salesperson's a manager. Do they get trained? Do they get onboarded? Is there any coaching framework that they're supposed to be leaning on? Absolutely not. They were just the top seller. So now you, you guys see where I'm going with this. Now you have this top seller, right? And and you and they want to help. They truly want to help. Problem is they're not skilled as a coach. So what happens is their direct reports go to them and they ask their boss, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Super Salesperson, you know, this is the situation I'm running into with this customer. What should I do? And this salesperson, you know, all in good intent says, you know what, when I was in this situation, this is what I did. So this should probably work for you as well. You just coached in your own image. You're creating mini me's. You're developing Autobots. Okay. You're not tapping into people's individuality. And, and the greater cost around this is when people come to you and you're the manager, whose, your job is to make your people more valuable every day. Providing them with the answer does not make them more valuable. It makes them more dependent. So what I'm really referring to here is managers, you need to quit today. Don't turn into resignation. That's not what I'm saying. You need to quit your job as chief problem solver. Okay. You cannot be coach and chief problem solver. It's like mixing water and oil. Choose, okay? If you're the chief problem solver, you're running around all day putting out fires and solving everyone's challenges. I'm just curious, how does that feel at the end of the day? A little tiring, exhausted, and then you look back and say, gee, I wish I was more productive that day. Well, what if you had less fires coming at you? The only way you could have less fires coming at you is if you empower your people to develop their solutions on their own. So now here's that sales per person who's a manager and they're not a manager. They just become a super salesperson because they're doing their job for their salespeople. Now I'm going to give you a tool. Okay. So you can avoid being the chief problem solver. All right. The tool is very simple. It's a 30 second coaching strategy. So tying this back to Chris's first question, um, does coaching take too long? Well, you can use what I'm about to share in literally every conversation where someone comes to you looking for assistance. And here it is. And again, Chris, 
Jot a note. I'm going to send this to everyone as well. The 60 second uh, coaching strategy uh, sounds like this. Uh, it's, um, let's say uh, 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 someone come, Ralph, you come to me and, and you're like, hey, Keith, listen, I have a challenge. OK, now here I am as a manager. I have a defining moment. I can go this way and do what I normally do and say, oh, man, Ralph, I've done that a thousand times. This is all worked for me, so it should work for you. Or you can go this way. And instead of leading with answers, which most managers do, they lead with questions. So here comes the 60 second coaching strategy. And as I said earlier, it's really 30 seconds. I'm from New York and I talk fast, but I'm going to talk slow right now. Hey, um, you know what, Ralph? I'd love to share my opinion uh, on, on uh, what you can do. However, you're a lot closer to this situation. Um, and uh, this client, and I trust you and I trust your judgment. So what's your opinion on how to move forward and achieve the result you want? I was talking slow. I think it was easily under 30 seconds. And you can do that all day long. Break it down. Hey, Ralph, I'm happy to share with you my opinion. Great. So they're coming to you. They want your opinion. You already told them you're going to give it to them. The big distinction here is when you do it. You don't kill people with questions when you're coaching. At some point, you're going to share your observations, but it's not in the beginning of the conversation. It's at the end. It's once you understand their point of view, then you fill in the gaps. So when you say to someone, hey, you know, I trust you and I trust your judgment, what's that gonna do? It's gonna build their confidence and it's gonna build trust. And then when you ask the question, what's your opinion on how to handle this? I didn't ask what the solution is or the strategy or the process, because those could be right or wrong. I asked for the opinion. Remember, guys, leadership and coaching is a language. Everyone has an opinion. Opinions are not right or wrong. But when you ask someone an opinion, they cannot come back to you and say, I don't know. You don't know your opinion? Everyone has an opinion. And this is why I say, you know, no one can argue that you don't have time to coach. Because if you're if you have time to give an answer, you got time to ask a question. So be mindful of the cost of being that chief problem solver. Because I know there's probably a few of you out there. Okay. The more you keep giving the answers, the more you keep creating dependency on you. You cannot scale dependency. You have five direct reports now, 10, 20, 30, 50. You can't have 50 people outside of your proverbial office waiting to get an answer from you. You can't scale that. Our job as leaders is to develop the future bench of leaders only way you can scale is by empowering people to solve their own problems have them develop their critical thinking skills when they do that they also build confidence then they're not coming back to you with every challenge because here's the real irony and i've never met a manager who doesn't want a team of independent and accountable people but every time you give an answer you're making them dependent on you, and you're actually robbing them of the very accountability you're looking to instill. Think about it. If I, if I say, hey, Robert, here's what you need to do, and Robert goes out and executes it, and it doesn't work, then he gets to come back to me and say, hey, Keith, look, my hands are clean. You told me what to do. 
It's not my fault. It's your fault. So now we're robbing people. <laughs> accountability we want to instill. It sounds insane. So we have the opportunity to break the cycle just using that one tool. So hope that helps everyone. <laughs> yeah, definitely. In fact, uh, if anything, uh, what you, over the last minute or so, uh, there was several things I was checking the box of like, oh, I've done that. Oh, I've done that. Oh, I've done that. And I think uh, it, it, you brought up some, some, some good action items and uh, it leads actually into the thought process that I have specifically about being the chief problem solver that you mentioned. I think it's sometimes one thing that you said that resonated with me is at the end of a long day, coming back and being like, man, that was an exhausting day, but I don't feel productive because I was trying to solve problems for 17 different situations that came up. And, and I, I, that, that's, that's definitely something I feel like is practical application uh, uh, for, for me uh, moving forward. So, so thank you for that. Um, I think we have time yeah, for about you. one or just, just to your point. It's, I want to just make sure we build off what you're saying is, mm -hmm. Managers believe that's their job. That's the problem. Managers, what I ask managers, what's your value? I'm a subject matter expert. Okay, great. That's part of your value, but it's not all of your value. And being the SME, being the subject matter expert, can actually hurt you more than not. After all, I'm not an expert in your industry. I'm not an expert in any of my clients' industries or businesses, but I'm an expert in coaching. So therefore, all I have is the question. So if you actually think about it, sometimes your experience can actually hinder your coaching. You guys see where I'm coming from on that? Yeah. I just wanted to yeah. jump and add on that, Chris. No, no, I think that's spot on. I think, I, I think, you know, what you said made me think of the concept that, you know, you may have 10 years of experience or you may have one year of experience 10 times over. And that's very different than being able to help someone coach and help. And it's a different skill set just because you know a lot about a product or an industry. That's not your job as a manager. Your job as a manager is to help empower those people to become the best versions of themselves, create that accountability. And, and I've, I've loved that. I think, I think we have time for one or two more questions. Um, one thing that if you I, would it, stop good stuff, I wouldn't keep jumping in. But it's yeah, important. No, you said something else. I just have to just make sure I just give that little nugget here. The three fundamental principles of coaching. Okay, you, you just pull that out of me right now. I want to make sure I share that with everyone. Here we go. Principle number one, let your people do their job. That's why I hired them. Principle number two, let your people do their job. And I don't know if anyone's feeling clairvoyant to guess what principle number three might be. C one and two, let your people do their job. That's why we hired them. The challenge is don't make yourself wrong because like, oh my God, Keith, I should know how to coach. No, if you were never taught, it's not your fault. This is a global epidemic. That's why only less than 1% of all companies have a true, authentic coaching culture. And you guys are already light years ahead because of what you're doing. So I, I acknowledge all of you for it. No, that's great. That's great. It, it, um, 
those three bullets are now burned in my brain. So uh, the good news is, is uh, th they're hard to forget when they're all the same. So that's fantastic. So we're, we're happy to have them. Keep things simple, right? Exactly. Keep it simple. Absolutely. And we're all, we're all on board for the keep it simple uh, methodology here. So um, with that being said, um, you know, knowing we have about time for, for one, one more question, I think, um, from my purview, we've learned a lot of fantastic things that I would say are applicable almost immediately. I, I think, you know, some of the things that stood out to me, Keith, is the idea of the, 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 the leading as opposed to like intention, lack of intention leads to the fear. I think being open with intention about what we're having conversations about, but also I love the idea of getting opinions versus giving answers. I think to me, that's one of the things I've thought to streamline conversations sometimes when things are busy, it's, you know, someone asks something and as opposed to taking a, a real, like you said, taking the language of coaching in real time and saying, you know, well, what's your opinion on this? I'll, I'll happily give you mine, but what's yours? I think sometimes in lieu of that, I've historically just said, here's what I would do. Here's what I would do. Here's what I would do. And, and once again, it may be correct. It may be not correct, but it's not about that. It's about giving them the ability to grow, gain that confidence. What in, in, in kind of closing here? Oh, I just see your point. And that's why, um, and again, I appreciate you pulling this out of me. I think it's important that we actually nail a definition of coaching. Yeah. What's the definition yeah. of coaching? We can all adapt globally, universally within your organization. I'm not going to give you a long academic drawn out uh, definition. I'll give you a simple one. Coaching is the art of creating new possibilities, period. In every conversation, you are either manipulating people and driving your agenda or you're using open-ended, non-leading questions to create a new possibility. And I will say, listen, I wake up in the morning. I was, I, I got up at four o'clock this morning. I couldn't sleep because I was so excited that I would be with you guys today. I have the best job in the world. I get to work with people like you and watch you achieve greater success and your people achieve greater success in your personal life and your professional life. What could be better and more rewarding than that? But guess what, guys? You and I have the same job. You guys just don't see it that way. Keith, what are you talking about? You have your own practice, but so do you. See, my practice is my clients. Your practice is your team. So I wake up every morning empowered to work with my team, with my clients. I want for you to feel the same way. And if you're not feeling that way, you're not coaching. So there's your barometer right there. That's awesome. No, that's great. And I, I, I love the definition. And I think it's, it's definitely, once again, it's proactive and it, all great things here. Um, in closing, um, Bill, I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add um, before we dive in um, and talk about some of the some of the actionable items we actually get with Keith uh, as we go into our uh, next sessions for the day. You're on mute, Bill. Bill, uh, can you hear me now? Yep, you sound great. Yeah. So, just one question, Keith. Throughout my career. You know, you, you talk about coaching and how important is it to know people on a personal level and what their drivers are, what, you know, because I've had leaders that were just all business, 
all the time and it just became uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, what a great way to end our, our conversation here. Uh, today more than ever, um, and, and I know, you know, people say it's not business. It's, uh, you know, it's not personal, it's business. I actually posted the other day, it's not business, it's personal. There's been a massive transformational shift here. You know, it is personal today. It is personal today because people, people, are, are, you know, as we are alone and disengaged or struggling at home and trying to create life balance, so are our clients and our prospects. If we can have those deeper conversations with them, it's going to foster a level of trust and, and, and that you've never, ever been able to experience before with your people, with your customers. That will actually become your competitive edge. So in terms of, uh, with managers and, and developing uh, their skills and working with your salespeople. Uh, it's, and, and again, I don't want to be redundant, but the real opportunity here is that I see you and you see me. Um, if we're more mindful of the right questions to ask that now move into more personal questions, at the end of the day, it's just going to lead to more business and more sales. So Bill, I don't know if I answered your question fully though. I think there was no, a that was I think that was spot on. But no, Chris, I thought the session was great, informative, uh, except for the my intro. <laughs> all good, all good. I'll give you, I'll give you, we, we all agree that brains don't function very well before 6 a.m. So uh, you, you have no good. idea all that good. the technology challenges, no hot water this morning. It was like, oh no, it was hot garbage. Oh, gosh. Technology is a wonderful thing when it works, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well awesome. Well, Keith, um, I think this has been awesome. We appreciate the time. Um, a couple final slides and, and a couple final words I wanted to share with everyone before we go. Um, hopefully, everyone can see my screen here. Um, is everyone seeing it in presentation mode? Yes? No? Yes. Okay, yep. fantastic. So just a, a final piece here, just as we kick off uh, 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 a couple of things to be excited for. Once again, our new go-to sales process, a lot of great things going on from a, from a sales enablement perspective, but from a scope perspective, uh, looking forward to the keynotes later today. We have some great sessions. I'm looking forward to having everyone be engaged, be a part of it. It's going to be a great week. Super excited. The sessions are interactive. They're going to be a lot of fun, but they're also going to be very applicable. One thing that's really great too is um, if you want one of Keith's books, um, I highly recommend them. Um, I have used them, my, my, the, the sales leadership book I, I, I've read many, many times, but part of the cool thing GoTo provides is your ability to use the reading reimbursement program. All of the information you can find on the Hive, but allows you to keep a book of your choice, keep your receipt. You can submit the expense um, and code it as professional books and there, you'll be reimbursed within two weeks. This is a great opportunity of GoTo investing in each one of you take advantage of these fantastic, fantastic options. And as a reminder, I think Tara put the link for this as well into the, into the chat. We want your feedback. This is, uh, you know, this has been a great session, uh, Keith. We're really looking forward to it. We'd love to hear from each one of you. Uh, if you could take our quick one minute survey by either scanning the QR code or taking advantage of the link that's in the chat. We would love, love, love to hear how we did and uh, any ways we can get better. So. With that being said, I am going to quit sharing and thank every one of you for, for being involved, being a part of today's session. And Keith, most importantly, 
Thank you so much for the time today, and we look forward to more. Thanks, everyone. Take care, everyone. Have a great day.